This is the Relevant Podcast. It's episode 973 and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello. Hello. And just like last episode, Jamie and Derek are MIA. And just like MIA, they're also Christian. Um, anyway, so <laughs> sitting in this week from Houston is downtown Emily Brown. Hello. And from Nashville, Tennessee, for now, relevant senior editor Tyler Huckley. Howdy. Want to tell them? We can tell them. Yeah. I mean, by, you'll by, be by like, the time they hear this, I'll be on a plane. Yeah, but. But uh, it's true. But I'm I'm currently in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, we'll be we'll be relocating temporarily, but for for a little while. Extended, uh, an extended, an extended relocation out to Paris, France, to the Paris, France look at office for Relevant Magazine, which is weirdly like pretty busy. <laughs> it seems like we have we yeah. have a Paris correspondent somewhat regularly and have since 2019 or so. Well, the, uh, but but listen, are heading out there. Yeah, but this is this is your your second extended stint. As yeah, a but this one's going to be longer right? than the first one. This it is, is going to yeah, be. This is true. That was Tyler told me somewhere between three and nine months. We don't know. And then I saw his wife announce their move on Instagram. She said, "We're going to go into Paris for a year." And I'm like, "What?" Yeah. That so, was not my. Well, we'll have. We haven't had a chance to discuss that yet. But that's not. That's not you might want to discuss that before you leave, <laughs> Tyler. It yeah. seems to me. That uh, that's something you guys probably should have covered. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, Wait, I, I, all I know is what the government is allowing me to do, and I don't. I don't think the visa. I don't think the 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 uh, the. I'll, we can make this story kind of fast, but to get a to get a visa for the kind of visa that we needed to relocate to France, we had to go to Atlanta. Uh, and Cameron and Emily, you both remember this day because it was because it was a very ended up being. I told Liz this. I told Liz that I think it was the most stressful day we have had as a couple together. And I stand by that. Wow. So we so we got on the car. We drove to Atlanta. We got there and plenty. We gave ourselves all kinds of time. We we had rehearsed the night before. Like we each posed as the agent, asking the other person questions about the stay. So we we felt very very prepared for what that you know for what this experience was going to be like. You're making you can't it sound- handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're making it sound like you're up to something very shady. In I know. Yeah, I you got to rehearse. You saying one story publicly, you're saying another story publicly, rehearsing. It was over it was an overprepared but, but situation. But let me ask you this. Overprepared for what exactly? <laughs> for an Ocean's 11 type. Are, are, are you guys pulling off some sort of yeah. Yeah, heist? Are you taking own? some cake with you to yeah. Paris? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a so we got we got there with enough time. We got there right around noon. Appointment was at one o'clock. We we're like, well, let's get a little lunch. There was a cheesecake factory right next door. So we went in, got ourselves a little cheesecake factory. But like you had a forty-eight hundred calorie lunch uh-huh. right before your I picked, meeting. I, I I just went to the middle of the menu, you know, fifty pages deep or so, yeah. and pointed at something and went for it. Yeah, and we went over to the building next door. We were about we were about. 15 minutes early for our appointment, which they tell you, you're not even supposed to be there until you have about, until about 10 minutes early. We walked in feeling good. And we're like, hello, we're here for our visa appointment. He looks at it and says, you are in the wrong place. 
And it turns out the actual place we needed to be was 20 minutes away from there. So we jumped in the car. My wife drove like Batman across Atlanta while I was on the phone trying to get him to change our appointment. And I thought that I was going to have an actual heart attack on the street. I was so stressed out. And I was, I know I was like in the wind for Cameron and Emily. They were kind because of, I told them that it would just be like 30 minutes and I'd be back in getting some stuff done for the pump for relevant, which did not happen because I ended up having to like turn my phone in when you go in there. They yelled at me when I got because I like didn't have, as it turns out, I didn't have everything that I needed. I thought I did. I, I walked out being like, I just don't think this is supposed were to they, were they happen. Like, where, I thought where, for sure they were going to say baguette, no. Sir, where's the baguette? <laughs> so it worked out though. You got, you got your, it did. Well, yeah, it did work out. It did work out. We got approved. I'm excited for yeah, you. I'm, I'm excited also too. excited that in October, there. I will be there as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, what, right. what what's, what's your trip, Cameron? Uh, literally Tyler said he's going to Paris and he had a guest room. And I said, how long are you there? He said, Somewhere between three months and three years. And I <laughs> said, well, then I will use my, I will avail myself of your guest room if that's a real offer. He said, of course. And talk to my kid. He's got a big birthday coming up this fall. I checked out my Delta miles. I can go, we can both go to Paris round trip for free and stay for free. Let's go to Paris, y'all. No reason so, not to. That's what we're no doing. Reason. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck getting that visa situ- situations figured out. <laughs> and so I recommend it. Ah. Uh, I just wing it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to show up in Paris. <laughs> I also <laughs> might just show up because I kind of like doing that now. Just showing up in places. Just, just, yeah, you're good at this, Emily. You're. I never know where you're going to be next. <laughs> Literally every staff meeting, we're like looking at the background of where she is going, where are you? I'm at a coffee shop in Austin. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. When did you go to Austin? Eh, last night. I drove through the night. Wait, what? what? Emily, what city are you in right now? Or do you even know? Technically, I'm in <laughs> Bel Air, but I'm in Houston. Okay. So. And then okay. in two weeks, she'll be in Orlando. Then she's going to Destin. And uh, I've been sending her. I've been trying to prep her for for coming to Florida. Yeah, prep been, by scaring me. Yesterday, you keep sending I sent me her, only stories headline, about uh, alligators. A, a headline from Orlando Weekly this morning that a guy in Tampa went into a pond trying to get his Frisbee back and got eaten alive by an alligator. <laughs> I sent her that headline. He sent there me are, like 20 of those like, Person wrestled with alligator. Person bit by alligator. Person killed by alligator. And in every her time, mind, they're just I'm roaming like, the streets right now like cockroaches. Yes. Just alligators everywhere. The so alligator like- to human ratio is one to one in my mind. <laughs> oh, at least, at least that's generous. And every people. single time, I'm like, I'm gonna cancel my flight. I'm not gonna come out there because <laughs> I am not about to. You just know what? Hang if the alligators, alligators don't get you. The massive mosquitoes will, or the humidity will suffocate you. You're gonna die. Humidity's fine. Point. I've oh, dealt okay. with that. Yeah, it's or you find alligators. yourself. You'll find yourself in Disney jail for a variety of different crimes. <laughs> so pick your poison there, Emily. Yeah, I, Orlando sounds like a dangerous place for me, but it's a very dangerous place. We'll make it work. I'm telling you, you just gotta watch it. Danger around like every list. corner. I have a list of things to avoid mm-hmm. in Orlando, yeah. and it keeps getting longer and longer with the everything. Outside, rides you know disney uh, jail yeah every sort of alligator I think eventually just orlando just blanket yeah make it a blanket they built disney on a swamp it's on just like houston mm. something shouldn't be there nature is trying to take it back you know so i mean just think about this emily it's a perfectly safe place but it's locked in an eternal struggle for uh, man's impulse to, to build and develop and nature's to kill every human. So other than that, it's fine. You're going to love it. Other than that, tiny thing can have a blast. Okay, y'all, 
you know, we're slow rolling this, but you saw the episode title when you hit play. Our guest today is none other than probably the most influential man in Hollywood, John Favreau. I, Tyler right. and I were talking about this the other day. There, I can't think of anybody who has had more of an impact in cinema in the last 30 years than him. I mean, all the way from yeah. independent film, swingers, he's an actor, he's a writer, he's a producer. But now, then he went to the Marvel Universe. And now he's writing and directing Star Wars. He's just like creating things completely by himself, which is unbelievable. And they're just absolutely stunning. He, I am a huge fan. John Favreau is coming up. But what's his new project like uh, that? That this is very so. This is very exciting. You'll hear all about it. But he uh, he worked on a. It's there's no, nothing quite like it. Documentary is probably the best way to describe it. But it's called Prehistoric Planet. You may have seen some trailers for it. But Dave, Sir David Attenborough, who of course is known for his many nature documentaries like Planet Earth series, Blue Planet, he is now doing a Prehistoric Planet in which John Favreau is directing a documentary about dinosaurs, which are CGI'd in with the advice and input and consultation of numerous paleontologists to make sure that this is as accurate to life as we know, as we can tell from the fossil record. So you're basically watching a documentary about dinosaurs, seeing these dinosaurs. It looks fantastic. It's very, very convincing uh, to watch. I, I really, really enjoyed this. I'm a big fan of Attenborough's documentaries. Wasn't sure if this one was going to work because it sounds a little bit like it could be kind of a stretch. Like you're watching a video game or something. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah that sort yeah. of thing. But uh, but honestly, I love this is kind of what I my favorite parts of Jurassic Park is when you just get to watch the dinosaurs be cool instead of the like action sequences, like just really beautiful computer animation take you there. And that's all this is. It, it's I, I liked it. Really got really enjoyed getting to talk to John about it. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation. It was a fun one. If you have Apple TV Plus, it is the big thing that they're promoting right now. So I uh -huh. feel like John Favreau's just had like a, a, after his after his like Vince Vaughn period that right. you mentioned, Cameron. Right. I feel like his career strategy has just been like what is awesome to an eight-year-old? And I'm going to center all my professional decisions around that. He's yeah. like, Iron Man. Yes. It's working for Star Wars. Mandalorian. Dinosaurs. Uh -huh. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, like, but then he'll go and do Chef. And he'll, you know, like yeah. his actual yeah. authentic passions yeah. come out. And like he does indie films and stuff too. Like the dude literally writes and directs and stars in some of the most influential cinema. You might be one of the most had. creative people in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He just Amazing. knows how to deliver on what people want. Like that, Whatever that thing is where you can tell, I know what people want to see on a movie out of a specific franchise or a piece of IP or ID or idea. That that's kind of the whole that's the whole game in Hollywood. And Fabro's really good at it. It was cool to talk to him, especially for you know, his influence is huge, but he's just good at what he does too. He's just a talented guy. Very cool. It's coming up. All right. Well, don't miss it. We also have at the end of the show, we have a uh, a game a, a, that, that's a very timely, a very timely game True. called Tom Cruise Palooza. Tom Cruise Palooza <laughs> is coming up later. You don't want to miss it. By the way, if that was a real festival, I wouldn't even know if need to know any more details. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> but yeah. But stay tuned right now. Up next, it's Slices. To the day when you're trying to find the one, why do you need me? It's me you keep finding Trying to find the one With the sick and ain't hiding Trying to find the one It's me you keep finding Why you looking for the one, one, one When your search is done, done, done Why you looking for the one, one, one When your search is done, done, done Head to head, toe to toe Showing up to go They be sleeping on the heat you're listening to MIA. The song is The One. 
Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so uh, I'm interested just around the table. Do you guys remember the first time you felt like, okay, I'm like an official grown up right now? Like, what 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 age was that? Wait, that happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someday, someday, baby. But but where where I'm the you guy wearing like... flip flops and Orlando Magic hat, and I'm in my mid forties. You know, like I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's hit me yet. We spent an extensive amount of time talking about alligator attacks, so I think those people are eliminated, right? But Tyler, Emily, do you have a? Do you remember a moment? I feel like I've had moments where I felt like an adult, but overall, there's still so much I'm trying to figure out, and I don't feel like I'm. I don't know if I would say I 100% feel like an adult all the time because there's still a lot of things I call my parents and ask them about, which I feel. I mean. You know, that's not a, you can be however old and still do that. But I feel like I still call them more than a 26 year old. What, what, what kind of what kind of questions? Yeah, so are you know, you, you have Google them? in your hand. I pretty much all. Time. Honestly, it, a lot of times when it deals with like money stuff, like taxes mm-hmm. every single year, I call my parents mm-hmm. to and I do TurboTax, which is so easy to use. And yet I still call them and I'm like, this is a W2, right? Like yes, and like, it says on the top. W2. I know, but I just need yeah. someone to confirm it for me. Taxes really scare me. I am. It does seem like it's a little involved. I don't think I've ever done my taxes right. I probably shouldn't admit that, but like every single year I submit them, I always. One think day, I'm if you're ever on trial, they're going to play back this audio clip like other trials. But now she's got she's got plausible deniability. She just didn't know. You know, didn't know. Yeah, exactly. They did not teach this in high school. It wasn't deliberate. Well, the brand, uh, Avocado Green Brands recently commissioned a study. I'm assuming because when you start buying avocados, you, that's, that's that a very a adult, that's an adult decision. Yeah, that's right a sign. Maybe you don't see many, avocados. It, it goes see, Pop-Tarts and then at some point you switch to avocados and there's no turning back. You see back very few children request an avocado right, <laughs> voluntarily. <laughs> you know, like, oh, little, little Johnny's really maturing here. He's, <laughs> he's, he's making homemade guac. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they did a survey to find out when most Americans feel like they uh, they became an adult. Now, 53% said 18, which is obviously the legal age. That, to me, seems preposterous because I remember being 18, and I think I was less mature then than I was at like 14 for some reason. But uh, the number two right behind it was age 30. Um, now that, that seems like kind of late in life to consider yourself adult, but they, they, they did, uh, uh, they basically said like, here's a criteria of things that when you, when you do these, how, uh, you know, this is confirmation that you're adult, you know, and, and, and this is why it correlated with age 30. So a lot of people said live on my own is a sign that they've arrived at adulthood right after that was like buy a house, get married, have a bank account, have kids. Those are great. You know, those are all signs of adulthood. I like the bo- I like the bottom of the list that these are the things that a surprisingly large percentage of the population said that once I did this, I knew I was an adult. The, the last one was make my bed every morning. 
Look, I don't even do that, so I don't I don't consider myself no. no. Buy a full matching set of dishes. Once again, I don't think I'm an adult by this standard. Shop at places that offset their shipping costs. Eh, not, uh, uh, start caring about the environment. I like this. Frame all a lot my of kids wall. that care about the environment. It's actually they're yeah, kind of leading the like charge. That yeah. thirteen year old. Yeah. How about this one? Frame all of my wall art slash uh, uh, my wall hanging slash art in my house. That one I do feel like is the ultimate sign. When you go from like college dorm That's a good room one. where you're just like, you know, putting up whatever poster with like tape and thumbtacks and start framing, I feel like that is a sign of, okay, I've arrived. I feel like that is probably the most accurate one across the board. Because to your point, Cameron, there's kids who care about the environment. You know, there there's there's young people that are already, you know, good with their finances. Once you start framing stuff, that's adulthood right there. That's a very adult decision. Also, it, it because it's a Framing stuff costs a thousand dollars. Like it, it, it makes no sense. You spend no sense. so much money to get cool yeah. art, and then you take it into Hobby Lobby or wherever you, your local framing supplier, and they're like, "Well, hang on, let me do a little math here." Dun, dun, dun. All right, that'll be sixteen thousand dollars to get this single <laughs> piece, this single like eight and a half by eleven thing. Frame. Like, well, why at this point, like the art isn't even the the frame is just the that's just the carrier. I don't need the frame. I wanted the painting. The I got painting. A little, I got a little hack for you. I got a little hack. Oh, yeah? I, I did oh, this okay. in my twenties. So I larger scale art, you know, makes a full a room feel more decorated and stuff. And so that's really expensive to frame. You know, like literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's huge. Yeah. Here's what you can do if you have a modern aesthetic at all, or if modern you know details look good in your vibe. If you go to IKEA, IKEA sells a lot of frames with mats. You know, like pre, you know, large oh, size, sure. whatever, for like twenty bucks. Okay. If you take that frame and your art to a framing store or an art supply store or something like that, where they cut mats, pay just to get the mat custom sized to, you know, uh, like have the big I, IKEA okay, frame, yeah, standard size, yeah. and then have the mat cut custom. That's like 20 or 30 bucks. So then you're just paying for the custom touch for the mat. And all in, you're 75, 60 bucks, 75 bucks, okay, and which is pretty good, yeah, comparable pretty good. to a two, three, four hundred dollar option if you just went to the oh, framing sure. store, you know, so. for sure. Okay, all right, that's that's maybe even more adult, more adult than hacking the adult is yeah, having yeah, a yeah. hack for yeah, having a frame. Ha- yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because I'm, I'm selectively cheap and I want to have that cool big uh-huh. piece of art, but I ain't gonna pay that framing company. So well, you've, I'm got, gonna... you've got a lot of cool art in the house. I've seen you. You have like a lot. Yeah. Like there's a lot of cool stuff. But when you go when you go in and you ask for that service, they're basically signing you up for an AA. RP card right there. They're like, okay, this is obviously this is obviously someone on the other side of adulthood right now. If you yeah. have a favorite mat cutting store, then you're in the ARP. That's like, yeah, that's not good. Like, yeah, you don't want to go there. You want to go to Sam plans. plans. If someone yeah. asks you your weekend plans, you tell them you're going to the mat cutting store. It's like okay, that's you know, go get the early bird special at Luby's too at five o'clock. <laughs> I've literally watched like YouTube videos on like how to build my own frames because I am I will not pay no those way. framing store it's prices. Ridiculous. It is four pieces of wood cut at an angle. Come on. You know, no anyway. wonder no wonder the Greens can afford to keep the <laughs> Museum of the Bible. It's all that framing money, <laughs> full, yeah. full of full of artifacts. Bobby, <laughs> Bobby. very real, what, very what, legitimately acquired artifacts. Would you, would you think that like like literally Hobby Lobby is like worth as much as Tesla? And you're like, how is this possible? They're like, it's all picture frames. Oh, well, that they, makes sense. A lucrative. Picture the highest frame. margin product in American history is a frame. <laughs> If the yeah. Greens wanted to buy Twitter, they could do it tomorrow with tomorrow. Cash. No problem. Oh, yeah. They would pay no in picture frames. 
<laughs> like the CEO's like, yeah, you could, we, we could do a stock Shareholders would take it. They'd be like, man, that's more yeah. valuable We're than money. you right. five we'll... picture frames for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs> it's, it's basically, if you could tell me right now. I have a bunch of Bitcoin or I have a bunch of picture frames. Dude. I'm at the point where I'm taking the picture He's, frames. I mean, it's not, it's not even a question. The tangible a question. asset right there. That's yeah. 15 yeah. picture frames. Retiring tomorrow. You want to talk non-fungible picture frames. We need to bring some regulation to the framing industry. This is, framing it's been market. gouging Americans for generations. They're extorting. Yeah. yeah. They're extorting yeah. us. Biden? Where are you at, Biden? Yeah. Cancel student debt and then Where's regulate the, the framing frame industry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can either have your debt canceled or you can get six picture frames. Oh, which well, would you I'll rather take the six? I mean, that's going to easy one. That's more than my 10 grand. One. Yeah. No All right. Here. What do you have, Emily? Um, this is a great transition from talking about what it means to be an adult to this. Um, there is a new product on the market. Uh, it is essentially edible tape and it is to keep your burrito together. Um, so, you know, like you make a burrito, you fill it's it with a the... foil wrapper. No, but you, you can't, you can't eat foil. A foil wrapper. Yeah, you peel foil? it down as you go. You do too much, you too no, much. It's, it's, it's too much work. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my method usually is to just get the bag of chips and put it on a plate and just allow the burrito to naturally, naturally explode and just eat nachos after that's been uh, my method because I don't, method. I can't, I'm not going to monkey around with tin That's foil. a good hack. That's not if bad. You had edible tape. If you had edible tape. Would yeah. you use it? Oh yeah, I would probably just. Can I? Can I just get an order of tape, please? But he doesn't have <laughs> the edible about, tape, so he gets like two entrees. He gets a burrito and nachos. Like, yeah. that's better. It is more bang. But the edible back. tape is it like? Is it was it bubble tape that you could just peel and eat? You know, like what? What are we talking here, Emily? <laughs> it's like scotch it's, tape. It is. It's like I honestly don't know the Packing science behind tape? it. Duct tape? It's not packing tape. Electrical tape? Um, it comes on wax paper and like its adhesiveness is activated by moisture. Is it a fruit roll up? It is it a fruit like roll up. I was trying to hide it now. In the picture I saw it was blue, which is a little concerning because most food isn't blue and that edible tape is. But they, but I could see it like I would not be opposed to trying one round of. You, you just like, you just like like wrap it around the burrito 15 times and go at it from there or do you just do a plight little like strip across the seam of the burrito i guess it depends i see i don't know what it tastes like so yeah, i don't know either I, I think i think they i think they went from tape when when the real solution is a patch because when i get my burrito rolled up i can <laughs> see point. i can see okay it's bursting right there don't even try to finish rolling that and the person always like, goes like the patch that they give you when you buy a, a pool float or an inner exactly, tube exactly exactly yeah, i want yeah. i want when i get my my burrito to get a burrito patch that i can patch up a hole when it inevitably bursts you're literally more willing to work to patch a burrito than just slightly tear the foil wrapper that they gave you as you go down and eat it. it exactly. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to just mow the end of that thing. You want to hold, hold, hold it raw in your hand and if it explodes, you're going to patch the explosion. But, okay, mm-hmm. but think about it. So let's let's paint the scene here. Let's say I'm driving and I really want a burrito. I don't, I can't take both hands off the wheel to peel yeah, the foil. She's right. I only have one hand and if it I have my tape, I'm good to go. You know? It's complicated. A taped burrito would be easier to eat in the car if you're driving than having to work with all the no, aluminum foil. And as so someone who's living in their car right now, basically, I'm not really, but sort of living in their car, that is 
a good product. It's a consideration. Now, yeah. are they selling this to restaurants or is this a consumer product? Are we talking B2B burrito tape here? Or are we, <laughs> are we going straight to the like consumer? it looks just like a consumer product. Um, no, I would bring, so th- here theoretically, I would bring my own tape to Chipotle. Yes. And, Correct. And, and patch it up. Okay. You wouldn't look like a crazy person putting some sort of waxy blue strip <laughs> all around your burrito. <laughs> no, would you would it. look People totally would normal. Get it. People would get it. They would Sounds be, they would delicious. They would be jealous. Yeah. They would ask where you got that. Well, yeah. Yeah, who would be jealous? The guy over there eating his burrito and then turning it into a plate and free nachos? No, he's not jealous. He's like, look at that, that idiot move? taping up taping up their burrito. This, sound, this sounds like a like a Shark Tank invention gone bad. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you know what I mean? Like, who asked right. for edible tape? I'm uh, sorry. John Hopkins University made this. I don't know if I clarified that. No. That's, so That's not... I mean, the, the medical yeah. school? <laughs> <laughs> this is where they're putting their time and energy. Wait a second. Don't, they down. need actual like tape for like sutures and like <laughs> like surgeries don't and think stuff? about it what? too hard don't I don't think want to ask where hard. they got the materials for this yeah tape. where did they don't ask any questions nope we're already asking too many questions why did they need to go this from is... stitches to edible tape like what so you can like this chew is... off your after your surgery heals sores. you can just like it's clearly for mouth sores you know <laughs> everybody knows everybody knows that during the COVID era hospitals were notoriously very bored and didn't have anything to do. So they spent, they put all their time and energy. Yeah. We're, we're not in a products. pandemic or anything. Hey, we yeah. need more. We need to we, put yeah. more resources behind that some, edible. Tape. I know something we can do guys. Wonder if we can make some blue tape. You can eat. <laughs> all right. All right. What do you have Tyler? Is there? Nope. I don't have a transition for this. We're just going to have to go right into it. All right. And this is, this is, this is late breaking news from relevant magazine. I don't think anybody else has jumped on this story Ooh. yet, but, but I'm, but I'm interested in it. So I'm, I'm following the, the escalation, um, the evolution. I might even say the radicalization of one Franklin Graham and a, oh, a dark, a dark journey that he is on that I, I don't know where it's going to end up, but I'm going to take you as far as it's gone right now. And we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Franklin Graham, of course, son oh, of Hank oh, no, oh, oh, Before yeah. you get into it, Jesse, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, that's a good is question. Is his new issue that he's repeatedly posting about and advocating about? What do you think it is? Deeply Franklin Graham's. Well, I deeply think, cares about this issue. I, I, I unfortunately, I already, I, I already know. Oh, because um, we follow Tyler on Twitter. All right, yeah, but yeah. Uh, um, I will say this: for some reason, I don't know why. I just wasn't surprised. Was like, <laughs> that seems on brand. That I don't know why, but for but for some reason, nothing shocks me with him anymore. All right, dear listener, right, let's, let's, catch, let's catch everybody up. Let's if you catch haven't everybody seen up, this, so dear listener, okay, yeah. because he seems yeah. like the type of guy that gets very very worked up about very very minor things. Okay, okay, correct. Yeah. So so, dear listener, you if you know Franklin Graham, uh, head of Samaritan's Purse, you know whatever. Um, in, he's gotten into the political space. He's tweeted big opinions about things. W- just put in your head the thing you think is the issue that he's now all about on his social media. And I'll give you a second. Okay, now Tyler, take it away. All right. So here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go down. We're gonna, we're gonna follow his. We're gonna go down the rabbit hole with Franklin Graham here to see how he's turned into where he's at right now, and then we can maybe speculate a little bit about where we think it might go from here. So our story really begins, I would say, on May 18th, when Franklin Graham shared a story on Twitter and Instagram with his 2.5 million Twitter followers 
about his, and this is a quote, his favorite place in the world. Okay. Favorite place in the world. He says he feels right at home here. And that is McDonald's. So McDonald's before this, there is zero mention of McDonald's on Franklin Graham's, any social media of Franklin Graham's that I could find. He, but he says now this is his favorite place. He was in Liverpool when he posted this, said he felt right at home and he posted a, how much he loved their food, and B, he praised them for pulling out of Russia following the following Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, he says he praised there will be an end to the fighting in Ukraine. So right now, we all we know is that Franklin Graham likes McDonald's, and he's glad that they left Russia. Okay, that's where this begins. Um, shortly thereafter, he uh, in fact, the very next day, May 19th, he tweets again, from another McDonald's, this time in London, he said, this McDonald's has the very best fried apple pies. And there's a picture of him. I really can't, I wish you could see it because he, he, he is sitting at a McDonald's. He has the McDonald's Detrius kind of surrounding him and he is holding two fried apple pies up to the camera to like, He's below, just you know, those little happy like, as a kid pies. on Christmas. He, he looks, he looks like a, a man at complete mm -hmm. peace with himself and with the world like the this, he life. is truly in his his happy like he's not lying he's not exaggerating about how happy he is he is really really enjoying his day two here at this mcdonald's and he's really really loving fried apple pies he hashtagged it quarter pounder and he hashtagged it again happy place so again this is still okay like he's enjoying life he's um, enjoy appreciating the simple pleasures uh he's and and but the journey really isn't over yet May 23rd, four days later, he's back at McDonald's again. <laughs> this time, this, this time he's posting and he, he's not smiling anymore. It's another photo, but he looks a little more, he looks a little hungrier. So there's been a break and he looks, he's looking at the camera with an urgency and he writes in all caps, all caps. I'm calling on McDonald's to bring back the fried apple pie in America, exclamation point. I just arrived in Sheffield, UK, where I'll be preaching this week. Preaching seems to be a very distant consideration right now. <laughs> and my first stop was, you can guess where, the local McDonald's. Of course. Yes, I had my quarter pounder with cheese and, of course, a fried apple pie. He now, I, I and he's, he says... Uh, he says, I appeal to McDonald's corporate management, bring back the fried apple pies. We don't want the baked ones. We'll call it the great fried <laughs> apple pie comeback. Are you in? And, and then he left it. Wait, I, so I don't know he's, if he's branding the marketing campaign. Yes. For this? Yeah, yeah. We'll the call great, it the great apple, apple, pie, apple comeback. fry comeback. Uh -huh. it, it, so I looked into this I, a little bit well, because I was I, confused. Can I also note too, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, get this no, thing no, no. in the weeds. But he's known for, you know, organizing large scale protests of brands that right. he feel like has run sure. afoul of his values. Right. <laughs> the way he's wording this it. seems like doesn't just seem like an opportunity for McDonald's. Seems like a veiled threat to me. <laughs> like it I think, seems uh, like a threat. There's an or else. There's a there's an unspoken or else at the end of this for sure. <laughs> Don't test Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse on this. So I did a little research here because in my mind, I thought they had apple pies at McDonald's. Like my, my, in my thinking, you could still go in and get these. It turns out he is actually right. Uh, there was a fried apple pie that was introduced a lot, the same year in the same menu as the Big Mac, Big Mac in 1968. In 92, they pulled the fried apple pie over health concerns. 
big government got their fingers in this one and they decided to replace or McDonald's was like it's a hey, hot maybe we pocket shouldn't. full of fructose of yeah. course they pulled it over health yeah. concerns they, they replaced it the with a menu baked, then. they replaced it with a baked apple pie so over in the UK you can still get a fried apple pie you can actually also get that in Hawaii uh, but other than that you're getting if you go to McDonald's and get an apple pie you're getting a baked apple pie Franklin Graham not good enough he says we need to get back to the fried apple pie and he's not going to sit down until I guess they bring it back now that was that was about a week ago as of this recording it's all been quiet on the front since then, but I am monitoring the situation because I am a little worried. I, I do feel like this has been, he is not really posting about his, about, you know, he's in the UK allegedly to be preaching, not seeing a lot of that on the social those, media those, feed. Those, and he is Graham, preaching. Right? Yeah. Those well, events have been canceled because priorities <laughs> have shifted at this point. Yeah. He's calling on McDonald. I mean, like it's, it is like, I, my thing is like, is he earnest or is he laughing as he tweets as he posts this stuff? I can't he's tell. So earnest. I think he's so I, earnest. I can't. He doesn't strike me as like a. I don't think a he yeah. I don't no, think he yeah. really understands the concept of irony. From you yeah. know, if he seems pretty detached from that, you know, <sighs> I think this is this seems to have taken over his primary. You know, there there's lots of things happening in the culture wars right now, and this is top of the list. You know, for, for him. Like this is his we, mission field and he yeah. takes it very seriously. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's great. I think this is a good you know what? We've we've had our disagreements with Franklin Graham at Relevant Magazine. He's he said some things that I can't really support. I really have no issue with him on this one though. I, I yeah. like you know when you're right, you're Franklin right. Graham. You're right. yeah. support. But, Bring it back. Uh, if, if, yeah, if, McDonald's if we're talking but, but what are y'all talking about? He apparently they pulled it according to your reporting in ninety two. We don't remember the fried apple pie. Yeah. Like and I would love to know what it tasted like. What if it's terrible? Emily and you just went with Franklin Graham's True. recommendation that's something I'm willing to be wrong about this is a All slow right. burning scandal that slipped under the radar for the last 30 years it's about <laughs> time Franklin brought it to the forefront where it belongs thank you good <laughs> sir it really is amazing I don't think I've ever seen a uh, political or faith leader post so many times about a fast food restaurant in a row with this with the same gusto that he's like, it, like you know about but it like escalated the, the gusto right escalated and it ended with with a full paragraph in all caps, you know, like yeah. it's yeah, just there's like more exclamation points. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this man, this man does have. I do want to. I do want to note this on May 25th. Okay, this is this is after the fried apple pie post that called all Americans to to ring McDonald's bell and get the fried apple pie back. He posted, uh, "quote Had quick lunch today at Pizza Express in Sheffield, UK. Best." pizza ever hashtag thin crust and there's a picture of him giving a thumbs up <laughs> over well you know it looks like a, a, a really mediocre pizza i gotta I be honest with you yeah, but i'm not eating it so i can't visiting i don't know these like beautiful you know international cities and just popping in mcdonald's you know and that's <laughs> pizza express yeah, yeah this is so funny he's like <laughs> posting like it's 2009 and people didn't know what to do with instagram so they just like posted about their yeah. meal or here's tweeted like going to get lunch now is that what we're supposed to do yeah <laughs> anyway all right well there's Got more where that came from check out relevantnice.com for all the hard-hitting news stay tuned up next john favreau joins us
You're listening to Flip Turn. The song is Brooklyn Baby. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is John Favreau. He's an actor and filmmaker known for his work in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Mandalorian, uh, Swingers, one of my favorite movies, uh, Chef, another one of my favorite movies, and so much more. He sat down with our very own downtown Tyler Huckabee to discuss his new project, Prehistoric Planet, and why it's important to focus on Earth's natural history right now. Here's our conversation with the one and only John Favreau. There are many ways to describe life on this planet. Some creatures could be called magnificent. Or monstrous. Perhaps misunderstood. But only a few creatures who roam this Earth all three. So I was really excited uh, when I first heard about Prehistoric Planet because I obviously really, really love dinosaurs. And when I heard John Favreau was going to be taking the lead on this, one of the things I was interested in was hearing what it was like for him to move into this world of documentary filmmaking coming from the world of creating cinema, of, of, cre- of making movies. And uh, so here's what he had to say about that. You know, remember, we, we're coming from two different worlds, this team. You, you have um, this team has worked on, uh, the, other than me, they've worked on all, all those uh, planet Earth uh, documentaries, all of these really uh, rich, scientific, entertaining, uh, long-form cinematic, uh, n- new style of, of documentary that was such an inspiration for the team that I've been working with. We're more the CGI tech team. When we were working on Lion King and Jungle Book, we were looking at these documentaries and trying to emulate what they were able to do. So there was a big, uh, a big learning curve where the group of people I've worked with had to learn how documentaries are made and the documentary teams had to learn how, how uh, to use technology to help create the magic trick of making it seem like it was happening and unfolding before your eyes. So I would say I, I probably learned the most uh, because I had no background in any of this. And I was hopefully able to shepherd people who had never really worked in the visual effects space, um, like our, our documentary side of the uh, of the team, into this so that now after two, three years, they're all experts in this area. And hopefully I'm coming up to speed on documentaries. And so we really were able to plug into a team that had been building over many, many, many years and using research that we had developed for other projects. And to me, this was uh, the pinnacle of the application of it because instead of having animals that were doing scenes together or singing together here, we were actually trying to fool the audience into believing that they had a privileged view into the past to be able to be a fly on the wall 
uh, as as these creatures just behaved in a naturalistic way. And um, and the reaction so far is really promising because people seem to be uh, the technology seems to disappear. And that's the goal, right? The goal is to make it look like we just had a camera. We went back there and this should sit alongside of the body of work that these gentlemen have done in the past. And I think it really feels like uh, a continuation of that into uh, into uh, another world. And, and you always have, um, you know, when I, as an actor and, and you always have consultants around that will help inform the story. But everybody knows that that should take a backseat to the Hollywood storytelling. And, you know, there are certain you're allowed to cut certain corners when you're making a story that has a technical aspect to it. This one, we went the other way. We said, what's the technical justification of it? And how can we build stories on top of that? Much like if you'd find these creatures in the wild, you'd have to work around what they were really doing and then find a way through the edit editorial process and the choice of the cinematic choices you make, you bring those stories to life. And so that's another thing that we're doing that emulates the documentary workflow, which is completely different than uh, telling an narrative story from scratch or an animation. Obviously a huge fan of Sir David Attenborough, who is the voice behind many of what I think are the absolute best nature documentaries that have ever been made. So it was a thrill to hear that he was going to be involved in this very unique nature documentary. I wanted to know what John's thoughts were about working with a legend like him. He is wants to present the message of science to the next generation. And, um, and certainly he's a, he's a man who has a big enough body of work and has done enough that, you know, he, you know, we were very grateful that he was able to contribute to this because it uh, just um, honestly hearing his voice over it uh, helps it fit within the pantheon of other scientific content that's out there that uh, speaks to a certain level of uh, uh, authenticity for us. And so when he agreed to, to be, become a part of this after seeing what we were up to, it, it made me feel like we were really on the right track. A young T-Rex, still sporting a juvenile's feathery coat. He's got the killer instinct. But his problem is inexperience. This could take some time. One thing I really liked about this series was what an update it was from the cinematic vision we've had of dinosaurs really since Jurassic Park or even before. Most of us still picture dinosaurs as big green lizards, uh, but many paleontologists now believe dinosaurs were far more colorful, uh, that they had feathers and maybe even fur, and that's something that they tried to bring to prehistoric planets. So I wanted to know what it was like to attempt a very different idea of dinosaurs, sort of a radical vision of dinosaurs in the screen than maybe the one we've seen before. I guess I grew up thinking dinosaurs lived in jungles and ate ferns, and that was really it. I, I, I guess I was still grounded in the old original interpretation of it that slowly evolves. And and what was what was interesting here is that you know this is you know we 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 definitely step into a lot of conjecture as far as what we think their color array was or the feather patterns and we could determine a lot from fossil evidence but you're also looking you're looking at the uh evolutionary trees to see what the closest relatives were and you look in the real world now to see how these creatures actually behave and how they look and how they're colored and you could make a lot of inferences 
And I think one of the most interesting parts of it for the people that I've shown give, give kind of sneak peeks to in my living room has been um, the accompanying material, which is how did you know this? Why did you make this choice? What makes you think a T-Rex could swim? And then we go with each episode, we have accompanying material where we actually show the science behind it. And to me, as somebody who comes from, from Hollywood, where you could kind of make up anything and put anything on the screen, uh, to, to show that there are underpinnings here and that there was a, a tremendous amount of discussion, debate, research, uh, to so that everything that we show is plausible with the latest science. This is sort of a pivot for Favreau, not just in the sense that it's sort of a unique documentary, but also that he's a guy who's really well known for his sci-fi features. So I wonder what the appeal was for him to uh, this era of world history. Why did he want to do this? There's something that draws you to looking at images of nature and there's something about dinosaurs inherently i don't think it's a coincidence that every time there's a new technology everybody wants to show dinosaurs <laughs> the first time they did stop motion the first time cgi you know this is this has been something that's been a fascination with um storytellers and and and, and humanity since they since the original discovery of dinosaurs before they even knew what dinosaurs were when they were fine before they really even understood the nature of evolution and science when you know they found the first skull and you know and the whole story about how napoleon captured this skull because they didn't know what it was i might tell i'm getting out of my i'm getting out of my <laughs> expertise now but i i think even back as far as that there was our only context for science at the time was the Bible. Was this a Leviathan? What was this? And then slowly, as people were fascinated more and more with these with these fossils, that led to innovations in science because the story and the fascination was what helped motivate it. And so I think if this becomes the door that brings people in through the fascination and, and enjoying the storytelling, I think it opens up the next generation to becoming curious about science. And, and I think that that's a very valuable thing to bestow upon the next generation is this curiosity so that the next generation could surpass us. But they have to be drawn to it and you have to show them how exciting it is and how fun it is and how alive it is. That was John Favreau. Make sure to check out his new project, Prehistoric Planet. It is streaming now on Apple TV Plus. It's awesome. Okay. Stay tuned up next. It is, it's something. <laughs> Tom Cruise of Palooza is coming up. All those scowling faces, all those furrowed brows, all those burnout cases, make them take a bow. About some smiling faces, come on and show us how. Never mind the braces. You're listening to Andrew Bird. Song is Make a Picture. Framing it will be expensive, though. That's the issue. Okay, it is time for we're calling it Tom Cruise Palooza. You know, obviously, it's the summer of cruise right now. Uh, you know, with the success of the uh, memorable movie in the nation, 
Oh yeah, I mean, Top the, that, right? huge success. Away. Top Gun, and, and we got a new Mission Impossible. Mission coming. Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One coming coming down the pike. Can't wait. It's Tom. It's Tom Cruise. It's Tom, it's Tom Cruise's world. We're just looking, at, right? at the end of the my viewing at the three story tall IMAX theaters, huge filled stadium of people. It, it, like the closing credits hit, and like people just erupted in applause. I mean, it was like yeah. people oh, love really? this movie. Oh yeah. Okay, so we got some Tom Cruise trivia. So what we're going to do, Tyler wrote the game. So uh, this will be between Jesse and Emily. Uh, we're just going to go back and forth. Potpourri of Tom Cruise questions. Here we go. You're up first, Jesse. Tyler, you can uh, uh, keep score. Tom Cruise's okay, actual good. height is A, 5'5", five, five, B, 5'2", five, or C, 5'7". Tom Cruise's actual height. Is it, This is me? Yeah. <laughs> I got to go 5'7". I, I got, I mean, that I is correct. Like- you have been able Points to on the board. directly assess. Points on the board. Get Something that about one. his run. He runs with the intensity of a 5'7 man. That's how I determine it. Don't ask runner. me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, number two. All right, here we go. Uh, Emily, you're up. True or false? Tom Cruise is his actual name. Good question. Um, I'm going to go false. That is false, but it's an adaptation of his actual name. His actual name is Thomas Cruz Mapather the Fourth. I do not blame him for changing his name. I would not <laughs> say that. That is not a Hollywood name. I was going to huh? say that Tom sounds Cruise. like that sounds like someone who owns like an estate just outside of Sheffield, where that pizza place is. <laughs> <laughs> and they were really mad that the that the pizza place came in to their yeah, yeah their exactly. village yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jesse. The grounds of the estate. Yeah. Which of the following is not an actual Tom Cruise movie? Is it A, Tom Cruise plays a pool savant whose ego and lust for victory gets in the way of his manager's plans to rig pool tournaments? Well, that's color of money. So. Is it B, Tom Cruise plays a disabled Vietnam veteran who turns uh, to anti war activism after he is discharged from service? I believe that's born on the 4th of July. Or is it C, Tom Cruise plays a professional rock climber who stumbles upon an illegal mining operation while scaling mountains in the American Southwest? Well, I would definitely watch that movie. I believe that's the... I could be wrong. I think that's the plot of Cliffhanger. If it's not... Good uh, Lord! You are but, correct uh, but, on all three. Yeah, but, but, it's, uh, <laughs> but it's not a Tom Cruise. That's, Holy that's, cow! That's my slow right there. Wow. 80, listen, 80s action movies are my love language. You guys got to remember, I've been locked away with COVID for uh, the better part of about the last 12 days. So uh, it was nothing I but did. a little 80s run. <laughs> I tried to dig deep into some like lesser yeah. known Tom Cruise, no. but Jesse was right there. I mean... Uh, right there. Good Lord. Okay. He's a Emily, Tom Cruise fan. Emily, you're up. How many movies has Tom Cruise co-starred in with his second wife, Nicole Kidman? Was it uh, A, one? Was it one, two, or three? Ooh, I think two. Days of Thunder and uh, um, this Kubrick movie. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. Was there a third? Far and away. Three movies. <laughs> three movies. All right. What's the score? Two to one? It is two to one. Yeah. All right. Here we go. uh, Jesse, you're up. Which of the following people has never been associated with Scientology? Is it Elvis Presley, Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson? Yeah. Elon Musk, Charles Manson, or Jerry Seinfeld? I'm going to go Seinfeld. Elon Musk. Really? Ah, Yeah. Yeah. Seinfeld said he dabbled. He said he dabbled in it. He, I, think dabbled in Scientology. I, I would think Elon Musk has already invented his own weird religious cult. But, uh, you know, I, I, 
it wouldn't shock me if he was involved with Scientology. But good for him for avoiding it. Emily, the you I found it. was Charles Manson who said that he he also took some classes and said it was just too weird for him. And he He's just to too creepy, even for me. For and Charles, I'm Charles Manson. Manson. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, you have an opening. Here we go. Tom Cruise famously performs most of his own stunts, including flying in his own plane and Top Gun Maverick. Which of the following did he not do? A. Jump out of a plane in Mission Impossible Fallout. B. Hold his breath for six and a half minutes in the underwater scene in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. C. Jump off a speeding motorcycle in Mission Impossible 2. Or D. Scale the world's tallest building, Burj Khalifa, in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Which one did he not do? I don't think he did the last one. He did do the last one. He did not jump off the speeding motorcycle. Interesting. That feels like something he'd want to do. Seems like that's like a David Blaine trick. That's very impressive. I'm. That's crazy. All right, Jesse, you're up. Which of the following is not an actual Tom Cruise movie? Tom Cruise plays a motivational speaker slash pickup artist who teaches other men how to get girls. Or B, Tom Cruise plays a rookie Los Angeles cop suddenly put in charge of a tense hostage negotiation when his veteran partner is killed on the job. Or C, Tom Cruise plays an over-the-hill 80s rock star whose plans to retire for good are complicated when he falls in love with a Rolling Stone reporter. Which one is not an actual Tom Cruise movie? Man, this one, this one's tough. Um, Tyler, you got him. Uh, I'm going to say it's the uh, the pickup line. The pickup. No, no, that's that might be Rain Man. No, 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 it's the pickup line one. Uh, a. a. That's Magnolia. Yeah. That is an actual oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, movie. you're right. Uh, I forgot about the old uh, the Anderson. answer. <laughs> the answer is the uh, hostage negotiation one. Uh, the last one, C, was Rock of Ages. So that's a real yeah, one. Yeah, I remember Rock of Ages. All right, if two, la- two, one, two last ones. Here we go. Emily, you are up. Or one last one, sorry. Uh, what's the score right now? It is still it is still 2-1. Still 2-1. All right, you can tie it. If oh, yeah. we tie, I have a tiebreaker. Here we go. Emily, you can bring... It's, this is everything right here. <laughs> Which of these beliefs do not describe Scientology? Is it A... All religions are cultural expressions of Scientology using different names, salvation or nirvana, for the true Scientologist's goal of becoming, quote unquote, clear. Is it B, all of us are spirit beings who are reincarnated after we die and advanced Scientologists are able to choose details about their next life? Is it C, Scientology accepts nothing on faith, rather claiming that all its teachings are verified fact proven by its unique technologies? Or is it D, a powerful extraterrestrial being named Xenu ruled a confederation of planets 70 million years ago who brought billions of alien beings to Earth and then killed them with thermonuclear weapons? Which one is not an actual belief of Scientology? This is a good time to clarify. I know approximately zero things about Scientology. I can tell you which celebrities are Scientologists, and that's the extent of my knowledge. Um, what was the second one again? Uh, all of us are spirit beings who are reincarnated after we die, and advanced Scientologists are able to choose details about their next life. You sure, I'll go with that one. That is an actual belief of Scientology. The fake one was the first one that all religions are cultural expressions of Scientology using different names. The more you know. There you go. Uh, Jesse, you win Jesse the Tom Cruise Palooza. Congratulations. You deserve that win, honestly. Yeah, Cruise I, to victory. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There we go. Thank you, Tyler. It's uh, a <laughs> real honor. If winning this game for Jesse was Mission Possible. 
Okay, before we wrap things up, I want to thank John Favreau for joining us today. Make sure to check out his new series, Prehistoric Planet. It is streaming now on Apple TV+. Plus. It is very impressive. Uh, also, a little a couple of updates. Head over to RelevantMagazine.com to see all of our daily content and sign up for Relevant Plus to get exclusive features on our site. You can even get an enhanced version of our digital magazine, which the current issue features conversations with Bob Goff, Ryan Reynolds, Adam McKay, so many more. Um, also, uh, Relevant Plus gives you an exclusive podcast and an exclusive edition of this podcast. You will get it released uh, a couple of days early and it's ad free. If that sounds good to you, go check out Relevant Plus. All the plans and information are right there at our website. Just click on the Relevant Plus tab. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to head over to the faith section to see our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk, which is presented by Lumo. There's a morning devotional email that they uh, support and also an email you can sign up for to get it sent to your inbox every weekday morning. Um, If you don't want to do that, you can just check out the daily devotional uh, right there on the faith homepage at our site. Um, Hey, and if you like the show, we've been mentioning this for a few months now. If you like the show, tell people about it. Uh, tweet about it, uh, post the new episode on Facebook or your Instagram story. And most importantly, leave a review uh, and rate it on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. It helps people find us and we appreciate the feedback. Okay. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Tyler Huckabee. We will see you next time and see you in Paris, Tyler. We'll see Mm. you in Florida, Emily, and we will see you COVID free, Jesse. Yeah, very soon. Very soon. And thanks for thanks for bearing with me today, folks. It's it's good to be back. Good to be back. We missed it. Thanks for listening to the relevant podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Wonder if we can make some blue tape you can eat. Relevant Podcast Network.